Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company in our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Welcome to Calm Mystery. Our selection this time, The Earth Quarter, by Damon Knight, read by Perry F. Bruns, Part 6. I don't think I quite understand, said Kudik. Why do you choose me? Ferguson put down his cigar. He looked uncomfortable. He said irritably, Because I've got to have somebody to talk to. He stared at Kudik. Look at me. Here I am. I'm 50 years old, and I've been fighting the world ever since I was a kid. You think I can just cut loose from everything now and lie under a tree? I'd go nuts in a month. I'm not kidding myself. I know what I am. It takes practice to learn how to relax and enjoy yourself. I never learned. Never had the time. 
When I get on that island and I get all the houses built and the wires strung up and everything's organized and I've got nothing else to do, I can see myself lying there thinking about this place and all the other places I ever owned and thinking to myself, what for? And there's no answer, I know that. But just the same, I'm going to be wanting to start in again, making a deal, opening a joint, figuring the angles, handling people. So there I'll be with all these mugs around me. What do they know to talk about? The same things I do. Things that happen to them in the rackets here or back on Earth. You got to talk to somebody or you go crazy. But if I've got nobody but them to talk to, how am I ever going to get my mind off that kind of stuff? He gestured toward the wall, on the wall to Kudik's left. Look at that, he said. I bought that thing in 1991. I've been looking at it for, let's see, 23 years. For the first five or so, I couldn't figure out whether the guy was kidding or not. Then gradually I got to like it. But I still don't know why the hell I like it. It's the same thing with everything. I have a corrode that I'm nuts about. I look at it every night before I go to sleep. It's just a landscape, like you used to see on calendars in the old days. Except the calendars were junk, and this is art. I know that. I can feel it. But what's the difference between the two? Don't ask me. See what I mean? That's the kind of stuff I got to learn about. Art, literature, music, philosophy. I always wanted to before, but I never had the patience for it. Now I've got to do it. My kind of life is finished. I've got to learn a new kind. He frowned at his cigar. It isn't going to be easy. Maybe there'll be times when you wish you had anybody else in the world around but me. But I won't take it out on you, Kudik. He meant it. Kudik knew. For a moment, he wondered, Why don't I accept? He could see Ferguson's Island Paradise clearly enough. The tropical trees, the log huts, with electric light, induction stoves for cooking, and hot and cold water, the sand, the sunshine, the long, lazy afternoons spent in talking quietly on the beach. There would be no strain, no tension, if everything went as Ferguson planned. Only a long, slow twilight with nothing left to fear or to hope for. Forgetfulness. Lethargy, Latos and Lethe, a pleasant exile, a scented prison. You won't have to worry about the others, the guys that work for me, Ferguson said. After they get through building the settlement, they can do what they want as long as they don't make any trouble. There'll be enough women to go around. They can settle down and raise kids. There won't be any liquor, and I'm going to keep the weapons locked up. About the ship, I'll wreck that as soon as we land. Once we're there, we're there. If it were not for Ferguson himself, Kudik thought, I believe I might do it. But Ferguson, inside a year, is going to be a pitiable and terrible object. This is his own punishment, his lesser evil. He chooses it himself. But he is not going to like it. I think I understand, he said. 
Believe me, Mr. Ferguson, I'm deeply grateful for this offer, and I am tempted to accept. But I think I will stay and take my chances with the quarter. Ferguson stared at him, then shrugged. Don't make up your mind in too much of a hurry, he said. Think it over. I'm not leaving for a couple of weeks. And listen, Kudik, do me a favor. Don't spread this around. Very well, said Kudik. Ferguson did not get up to see him to the door. There was a curious feeling of suspension in the quarter. Trade was slow. Only a few Niori and still fewer members of other galactic races strolled down the narrow streets, and for more than a week Kudik sold nothing. Human faces were missing, too. About two hundred of the ghetto's inhabitants had left quietly during the night, when word had gone around that the new Earth transport was waiting. Villanueva had gone with his family, so had Martin Paz, and Ferguson had gone earlier with all his crew. Today, two weeks later, Kudik had spent the morning wandering the city. It was a thing he had done often in his first years on the planet, before the restless drive of his youth had seeped away, leaving nothing but momentum and memory and a few vestiges that reminded him of the man he had been. He had spent whole days in the city then, looking into this building and that, talking to the natives, asking questions, observing. He had seen the city as part of a colossal jigsaw puzzle, from which, if you were patient and perceptive, you might extract the nexus, the inner pattern that made the essential difference between Niori and men. For the Niori, like nearly all the intelligent races of the galaxy, had one survival factor that men had always lacked. There was no word for it in any human language. You could only talk about it in negatives. The Niori did not kill. They did not lie. They did not steal, intrigue, exploit each other, hate, make war. For men, the fittest had always been the man, or nation, or race, that survived by exterminating its rivals. Somehow the Niori had found another way. There was no word for it. But perhaps you could find it if you looked long enough. He had studied their architecture and pondered long on the arrangement of the city's great hive buildings, a peculiar staggered arrangement which was neither concentric nor radial, which created no endless vistas, only islands of buildings or lakes of parkland. He had tried to see into that arrangement and threw it to the soul of the race, as other scholars had peered into the city plans of Athens in New York reading inwardness into one and outwardness into the other. The method was sterile. The Niori had no worldview in the Spenglerian sense. Their cities expressed only function and a sense of beauty and order. In those early days, he had said to himself, these people have no cinemas, theaters, churches, art galleries, concert halls, football fields. Let me see what they have instead, and perhaps I will begin to understand them. He had seen the Niori sitting in a circle of six or eight, 
solemnly capping one word with another, around and around. To him the sequences of words were sense-free and followed no discernible pattern. To the Nyori, evidently, they fulfilled some function analogous to those of poetry and group singing. He had watched them debating in the governing council. There was no rhetoric and no heat. Even when the issue was important and the opinions widely divergent, he had seen their shops in which each article was labeled with its cost to the merchant, and the buyer gave as much more as he could afford. It was incredible, but it worked. He had followed their culture through a thousand other avenues until he wearied of it, having learned nothing more than he knew at the beginning. Afterwards, for twenty years, he had not left the quarter except to transact business, or to oversee the unloading of merchandise at the spaceport. Today he had gone once more, feeling an obscure compulsion. Perhaps because he knew the day was coming when he would see the city for the last time. Perhaps hoping, in that small spark of himself that still allowed itself to hope for anything, that one more visit would show him the miraculous key to all that he had misunderstood. He had learned nothing new, but the morning had not been altogether wasted. It was a clear autumn day, good for walking in so green a city. And paradoxically enough, being the only earth man on the streets made him feel less alien than before. He attracted no attention in a spaceport city. He walked side by side with squat Ritik and spidery Oladza, beings of a hundred different races from as many stars. When he returned to the quarter, he felt oddly refreshed and calmed. We have very little left, he thought, except one or two minor virtues that have no bloodstains on them. Kindliness, humor, a sense of brotherhood. Perhaps if we had stuck to those and never learned the martial virtues, never aspired to be noble or glorious, we would have come out all right. Was there ever a turning point? When Carthage was sown with salt? Or when Paul founded the church? Or when the first caveman sharpened the edge of a stick and used it for murder? If so, it was a long way back, dead and buried, dust and ashes. We took all that was best in thousands of years of yearning and striving for the right, he thought, and we made it into the Inquisition and the Star Chamber and the NKVD. We fattened our own children for each generation's slaughter. And yet, we are not all evil. Asterios is right. If the other races had been like ourselves, it would have been bearable. Or if we ourselves had been creatures of pure darkness, conscienceless, glorying in cruelty, then we could have made war on the galaxy joyfully. And if we failed, at least there would have been an element of grandeur in our failure. Olaf Stapledon had said this once, he remembered, that there was an artistry in pure, uncontaminated evil, that it was in its own way as real an expression of worship as pure good. The tragedy of human beings, then, was that they were not wholly tragic. Jumbled, piebald parcels of contradictions, angels with asses' ears. What was that quotation from Byers? The best thing is not to be born. Someone brushed by him, and Kudik looked up. 
He was at the intersection of Sesko-Slovensko and Washington. He had come three blocks past his apartment without noticing where he was going. Chong Yin's was only a few doors to his left. Perhaps he'd been heading there automatically. But the doors were closed, he saw. Seven or eight Chinese were standing in the street outside, and as Kudik watched, Xiu Min came down the stairs from the living quarters over the tea room. The other Chinese clustered around him for a moment, and then Xiu appeared again. The others slowly began to disperse. Kudik went to meet him. The mayor's face looked strained. There were new, deep folds of skin around his eyes. What is it, Min? said Kudik. You've just listened to Part 6 of The Earth Quarter by Damon Knight, here on Calm Mystery. Join us next time to find out what has Seo Min so upset. Calm Mystery is a Murder Mystery Company production, part of American Immersion Theater, Scott Crampton, Executive Producer. Our editor is Audra Schildhouse. If you enjoy Calm Mystery, please take the time to rate us and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your fine podcasts. It helps spread the word, and the comments let us know what you like and how we can improve. While you're at it, tell a friend who enjoys a good story, or even an enemy if you need a distraction. And subscribe if you haven't already. That way you won't miss an episode. They'll download to your device when you least expect it. In the meantime, stay calm. Mystery is everywhere. Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own Murder Mystery Party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.